healthy over a healthy body weight and that I have walked to maintain that. So sometimes I maintain a 120 pound weight loss. Sometimes I maintain a 60 pound weight loss. You know, there's, there's always a fluctuation in there. Um, but uh, I am uh, one of you. So I'm in good company. And uh, it's really great to visit San Francisco. Um, I was here uh, during the summer and I got a chance to quickly pop up and see a little bit of it. I was visiting some friends going to a wedding reception. Um, so the reason I'm here is because I used food as a way, as a solution to deal with my problems. Um, and, um, you know, in, I came from a family of addicts of various colors. Uh, and my mom is one of us. Uh, and unfortunately, she never truly worked the program. She kind of hung around in meetings and did service, and, but never worked the steps with a sponsor and then left. But um, she did, in a way, introduce me to the program and uh, gradually, in, uh, gradually increasing ways. Um, but um, I remember that, that my parents, uh, when they were kids came from the generation of if you're upset have a have a whatever kind of food I'm not going to mention types of food but you know what I you know what the food is um, usually something sweet uh, and dessert like um, and I remember we would have like large desserts before bed routinely and uh, there was always a lot of sweet and carby things in the house uh, um, or enough, like I could find it, like you could, you could hide it from me and I, I could find it, you know. Um, so the real problem was that we didn't deal with our problems. We didn't talk about things. We didn't know how to have uncomfortable conversations. And when there was a problem, it was either uh, explicitly ignored or we would kind of take a little platitude and kind of paste it over the problem. And well, here's a platitude and you go figure it out. Um, you know, and we learned, I'm gonna learn much later on in life that children need to be mo nurtured emotionally. <laughs> they need to be taught how to process their feelings. It's not something they can go figure out. Uh, so food was my solution. And you know what, it works for a while because if it didn't, I wouldn't do it. Um, and, uh, and then my weight started to go up. And as I got older, uh, when weight starts to matter, um, I, uh, I would have, end up going to the doctor every six months and getting a cholesterol test because my mom was very concerned about my weight and she was constantly making negative body comments and, oh, you put on some more weight. Oh, I need to buy you a bigger shirt, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, Oh, I'm sorry. You're not a member of this meeting. You're, this is, you, you can't be here. This is a closed meeting. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's my cat for those listening in. It's gonna be an interesting recording. Um, so um, I just remember I really hated doctors, you know? Um, and because I, um, I really hated doctors because they never really knew what was wrong with me and they didn't, know how to help me. And at that time, up until actually very recently, as far as I knew, at least as far as the doctors that I visited knew, there was bulimia, anorexia, and stop eating so damn much, get on a diet, what's wrong with you, have some willpower for God's sake. 
And uh, it wasn't until much later on in program that binge eating disorder became a thing. It was in the DSM. Um, but at that time, there was just a lot of that. You need to get aggressive. A number of doctors told me that one. My weight continued to go up. And, um, you know, like, although I am a compulsive overeater in my food, in my life, I'm an anorexic. I'm emotionally anorexic, socially anorexic, romantically anorexic. Um, I don't know how to, I'm terrified of other people. Uh, and that came from my childhood. My mother never fully dealt with her trauma. And uh, to her credit, and I can have compassion for her today, she was horrifically abused by my grandfather, uh, who through the grace of God, I never met. He died long before I was born. But she was horrifically abused by him. And I think she really had a, a very deep hatred of, of men, um, which again, is not all her part because of her, her history. But her part is that she never dealt, thank you, five. She never dealt with that trauma. And the way that she dealt with it was to just kind of have these very strong rage kind of episodes at me or my dad over very small things. So mistakes were intolerable in our house. And um, I just remember growing up seeing that seeing my mom ripping into my dad over these things. And at the time I was, I, I thought, I just assumed that my mom knew something I didn't. And I was always on her side about it. Now, growing up, I realized that there's nothing really wrong with my dad. She was just had an anger problem. Um, but that rage is, is, was burned into my psyche. And, you know, um, I had a very hard time, you know, interacting with people. Women scared me because I was afraid I would anger them and that I would somehow be injured, like, like attacked or somehow be abused by that. And I didn't spend time with men because I thought men were like what my dad was treated like. That, so oh, men are awful. Men are bad. Men are not worth getting to know or not trustworthy. And so I'll stay away from them. So I had, I, I had a hard time interacting with people as I grew up. And the weight was my armor. It kept people at bay. I wanted to be invisible. I didn't want you to see me. Um, and that uh, especially uh, translated into my uh, romantic life. Uh, in fact, I avoided romance at all costs for many years. And it wasn't until I actually went into another program that I had to work on deeper issues in that program. But the weight was my armor. It kept me safe from people um, because people were, people were really mean and wanted to hurt me you know that was my childhood um and um i remember i lost some weight in high school on a very unhealthy diet which no i will not tell you which diet it was <laughs> and uh i uh ended up getting into my first relationship and you know that my girlfriend was exactly like my mother emotionally and we were both very we had a lot of trauma and we were just it was just a mess and it, it shut me down, you know, and I, it, it, I kept, I didn't date for the longest time, you know, and I feel that's important to say because body image, romance, sexuality are not really talked about in a way that much. And that's what the kind of the journey I'm on right now in my life. So I feel it's important to talk about. But as I went into college, I avoided people more, even though I was in theater and I did a lot of theater. Uh, I made friends, and, but, you know, there, there was the emotional depth was very shallow, you know? Um, 
And as I went forward, uh, the only thing that kept my weight from exploding, because I was eating, I was compulsively overeating left and right, huge portions of all the sexy foods, right? Uh, and uh, I walked up hills to get to class. It was like my school was on a hill. I mean, that's the only thing that kept me and being active on stage because theater is a dupe, do major. You're constantly up uh, on weekends and evenings doing this stuff and in class during the day doing it. So you're constantly moving. There's not a lot of sitting with a book and writing things down. There's just a lot of doing. Um, and when I graduated from college, I didn't have any relationships in college, any romantic relationships. Um, I didn't really have a set plan. You know, this disease doesn't, you know, it, it decays the brain over time. And um, I just kind of sat around and ate and watched TV. Uh, and I had yet, and yet, pretty much yet undiagnosed um, depression I needed medication for. And uh, I ended up going back to school and my weight continued to go up and continued to go up. And I tried dieting, I tried exercising and nothing worked. And then I got um, a, an increase in responsibility. It wasn't a promotion, so I didn't get paid more. But I was working at a library as a student worker and I was going back to school to get a library degree because this acting thing wasn't working out. So I didn't have the willpower. Uh, my disease had taken kind of my motivation and drive. Like I had no faith in myself and I hated myself. And those two things don't really go well when you're trying to achieve things in life. Um, you either overachieve or you underachieve, right? So I was an underachiever uh, in that sense. And uh, I was given responsibility and I really screwed it up. You know, I almost got fired. And partly because I, I apparently snapped at one of my bosses. Don't remember that, but I take their word for it. You know, I don't, this disease, uh, it makes my brain fuzzy and it ruins my memory. So when I'm in the food, like, I don't remember <laughs> what I did or didn't do. Um, and by the grace of God, even though I hadn't gone to program yet, I chose to be, to go back to my original position rather than get fired. But at that point, I knew there was something wrong. So I'd been given a marginal amount of responsibility and I had really cocked it up. I really screwed it up. Um, so thank you, second five. Um, so there I'm at really overweight, starting to have chronic obstructive sleep apnea, obesity, high blood pressure, uh, just every, everything, every kind of movement takes effort, you know, uh, just, just, just so miserable and tired and sick. And, and, and just the only thing at that point I could feel was fear. All my other emotions had been buried by the food. You know, food never got rid of the fear, not entirely. And I felt like I was just swimming in fear. That fear had been my master. It had been uh, the, the ruler of my life for as long as I could remember. So I made, uh, I made a promise. I said, okay, okay, me, I'm going to try this one last diet. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to give up. And it didn't work. I was on it for six weeks, which is the longest I'd ever been on a diet. But it took me two weeks to realize I was off the diet. So I went off the diet and two weeks after I went off, I realized I was off. That was my delay between when I did something and when I was aware that I had done something. So I said, okay, I'm gonna give up. And I spent four months just stuffing my face as much as I could, not exercising even a little. And it was hellish. 
and I, I you know, I, 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 I had reached my emotional breaking point. I was completely insane and, and just wishing I would die, not wanting to commit suicide, but just wanting to be dead. And I realized I had a problem and I went to, went to OA. Now I had gone to OA five years earlier. My mother had taken me there. And I think the fact that my mother had taken me there had colored my opinion of the program. And I walked in and I said, who are all of these people sitting in this dark church basement talking, what are they talking about? I, they're beating themselves up over food. Like I did, I just didn't get it. I didn't know what this was about. I'm like, I don't, it just seems like they're being mean to themselves. What did I know at the time? And this woman came up to me in one of those meetings I went to and handed me a big book. Didn't pay for it, I remember that. I took that book and I put it on my bookshelf and it sat there for five years gathering dust. I never opened it once. But when I started working in this program and my sponsor took me through the Alcoholics Anonymous big book as I think it should be done, my personal opinion, not the opinion of Oasis Hall. When I went through that book, I got that book off the shelf and that's the book I still use. I wish God would reveal to me that person so I could thank them. You know, I can't even remember their face, but I owe them a lot. I owe them my life. So I started working the program. I found a sponsor. I missed, you know, I, I, I was so nervous to, to talk to him that I tried to take his number out of the book and he came up to me and offered me his number. And I, <laughs> hi, you know, so nervous around people still, so nervous. And I was tired for a year because my body was so used to eating these massive amounts of calories that eating a normal amount of food, you know, portion control, following a food plan, because that's what I needed, weighing and measuring, because that's what I needed. I didn't know what an ounce was or half a cup was or a tablespoon. I had no clue. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the beige and tan got smaller and the green got bigger. I created a food inventory and I started working the steps. I admitted I was powerless over food. And guess what? Still powerless over food. Still powerless. In recovery, but still powerless. And I started to learn how to feel my feelings. As a raw nerve walking around, just crying at little things and not understanding why. It's because I was feeling feelings for the first time. And like somebody who sits on their leg for too long and their leg goes numb, you know, there's that oversensitivity that happens and you just, everything is just, you're just like, it's like going through puberty in a way again, those mood swings. Um, and that went away. And after a year, my energy hit through the roof. Like I started to have energy again and I had given up sugar and white flour because those two things would kill me. They'll kill me. Sugar to a marginal amount because there's sugar in everything. I had to set a limit that worked for me. And then white flour was relatively easy enough to exclude entirely. And I had to add a few, few more things along the way because my food plan, my uh, red light foods, the foods I, I, I promised to myself to never eat again, fluctuate because life fluctuates and you need to be honest about what you're doing and things evolve. Boy, and I learned how to show up for people. I learned how to be of service. And I began the very long, slow and painful journey of loving myself. It took three programs and it's still a work in progress today. There are days when I just don't wanna 
vacuum the carpet and do the dishes and take my medication and exercise. Five. Thank you, five. And I started to lose the weight. And then people started to see me. And then, then I cut my hair because my hair was so very long over my face. And I didn't want people to see me and I cut my hair. And then I started buying nice clothes because I wanted to be seen again. And I started buying nice shoes and I started buying things to beautify my, my living space, my apartment. And I just started to heal from that emotional anorexia because the food is a symptom of a larger problem. And I still had problems that I had to deal with. Some of them solved themselves gracefully by just working the program and becoming sane. Others, I had to do, I had to take varying amounts of effort to fix. And others were long-term and it took me a very long time to, to, to get to, to, to fix those problems. And other problems I was powerless over that I couldn't fix. God had to remove them. And then there were some that are just around and they just deal with them the best they can. You know, and I learned how to be, I learned how to be uncomfortable. I learned how to sit in my feelings. I'm mad and I want to eat, but I'm just going to sit here on the couch. I'm not going to eat because that's not the solution. And I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't want to be 303 pounds dying of multiple health problems from my weight with, with an empty life, you know, and I learned how I was really not showing up for the people around me emotionally. I was not able to be emotionally present when I was sick. When I started to recover, I couldn't be. And my friends just didn't know that much about me because I didn't talk to them about myself and I didn't, didn't share with them. I wasn't vulnerable. I learned how to do that too. And I started dating for the first time this year, really properly dating and learning how to show up for myself in that way and learning how to show up for my dating partner in that way. And I got a positive body comment from somebody while I was dating them. It was just something I'd never experienced before. All my body, all body comments towards me had been negative or kind of neutral, kind of like, oh, you're not so bad or something along those lines, you know, something like that. And I got a positive body comment from somebody and it was just, it was just an amazingly you know, it's like, I don't need other people to validate me, but it was very affirming. It was very affirming. And my first reaction, now that this didn't come out of my mouth or show on my face, this was something really deep in here was, oh, she's mocking me. She's making fun of my body. Because that was my childhood. That was my, you know, that was, that was elementary school and high school. And, you know, kids can be cruel. You know, and that thought, it was automatic and it came up and I quickly lovingly acknowledged and dismissed that thought. But I learned how to do that in this program and other programs as well. How to steer my thinking. But um, boy, that was, that was amazing. But I'm not perfect. And my program sometimes needs correction. In August of last year, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And although I did not break my abstinence, I did start eating more and my weight did go up and over an eight month period I gained about 40 pounds and I said you know this is a problem 
I started committing my food again to my sponsor. Thank you, Todd. Um, which I hadn't done in a while. I started doing that at the beginning of my program. And then about four years in, I stopped for a while with my sponsor's suggestion. And I started up again, committing my food again, because I need to. Um, and my food is still not perfect today. I started using a calorie counting app because that's what I needed. If I tried to use it when I started program, I would have gone bonkers. But I was at a place in my recovery where I needed it. This program has given me so much. I started this program broke, working a student job while living at home, barely not even able to pay my phone bill and have my parents pay for everything. I now live in my own place, one bedroom apartment. I have a full-time job and I take care of my little kitty, which you saw, <laughs> made an inappropriate appearance, but still cute enough. Uh, and now I get to show up for my family because my mother was also diagnosed with cancer in the same month. Life is in session, folks. Luckily, she's recovering and we think the cancer's gone. We're not sure. But my dad does not have much longer. And I just made a commitment to show up there three days a week, even with all that family stuff. It's going to be hard. And I'm going to need every ounce of this program and my other two that I'm in to get through it. But you know what? I'm abstinent today. I got my eight years in, uh, in October, eight years off my, my uh, sugar, white flour, my other foods. And my weight will still fluctuate a bit because I'm a human being, but I don't, I don't binge over stuff. And if there was ever something that would make me binge, it was the death of my dad. And you know what? I'm not gonna binge about it. I'm gonna call people, use the tools. I'm gonna work with my sponsees and Although I'm taking a break from speaking at meetings, this is probably gonna be the last one for a while. That's another thing that I do is for service. So I'm gonna wrap up now. Say, if you're new, keep coming back. Just keep coming to meetings and go to at least six. And then if you think this is what you have and you want the recovery that we have, find a sponsor who has the recovery you want and do what they did and, and just be teachable follow the, the program because they're not telling you what to do because they want to tell you what to do. They're guiding you through the process that got them where they are now. And in the meantime, you've got phone numbers to call. You got tools to use. My number is under, uh, it's at the corner right there by my name. Call me anytime. If you're going to eat, give me a call. Just give me a call. I live on, uh, in LA, so I'm on the West Coast. We all have to get through this together. And by the way, there's a pandemic on, not to mention, there's a lot going on. And we need each other right now more than ever. I'm very grateful for these Zoom meetings. I can Zoom in at almost any time in the day or night for a meeting if I need it, because the whole world is on Zoom right now. Pretty amazing what we can do when we put our minds to it. Oh, if only the entire world ran like a 12-step program. Hmm? The interesting world to live in. So keep coming back. Let us love you until you can learn how to love yourself because we love you exactly as you are right now, regardless of where you're at, where you're at in your recovery because that's what program does. So I wanna thank you all for listening to me speak today. It was a pleasure to be here to visit San Francisco. And I'll end with one of my favorite phrases that I learned in this program. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome home.